everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mom, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. So on today's show, I'm really excited to be interviewing Tabitha Jane. She's an applied psychologist, coach, author, and consultant, and the founder of Earth Self, that specializes in developing nature-connected well-being and performance in leaders and organizations for sustainable success. With nearly a decade of delivering nature-connected solutions in a variety of public, private, and third-sector settings, Tabitha is the creator of Nature Connected Professional Coach Training Program and the author of The Nature Process, a simple way of deepening your connection to nature by being in the body and experiencing nature through the senses. And what I love about Tabitha is her passion for nature and the connection that she's made between our well-being and spending more time in nature. Now, if you're living in a big city and you're thinking, oh, how am I going to get connected? Well, we talk about that in this episode. And we also talked about what we can learn from nature and how it can help us slow down and why slowing down is such an important component to experience more joy and to ditch the overwhelm and the stress. So, if you are a nature lover or if you are someone that doesn't get out in nature as, as often as you would like uh, and you're curious about how nature can actually help you to just chill out, then this is going to be a great episode for you. So welcome, Tabby. It's so beautiful to have you here today. And you are currently in Washington State. The last time Tabby and I spoke, she was in Spain and I was in Bali. So now I'm in Spain and she's in Washington State. So (laughs) we do get around. Tabby, thank you so much for joining us today. And what I have curiosity about is, you know, for the listeners that are here today, that a lot of the time they say they just have no time. They have no time to get out in nature because, of course, that's what you do with your clients. You help them connect with nature. But I'd love to know a little bit more about how it is possible for women and moms to get out in nature where they may live in the city. Like, over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the on your podcast. And um, it's really exciting in terms of what you've said there. So first of all, how do you, let's start with the city aspect and then we'll, we'll, we'll break it down. Because there is this common belief that we have that within the city, there's not nature. And that can be perpetuated by the notion that we're creating wilderness, nature reserves. But when we really stop and actually look in the city, there's city parks, there's green spaces, more and more cities are really actively recognising that to have natural areas within the city help improve health and well-being within the residents. So the first and foremost thing is to really recognise that there is nature around you, even if you're not aware of it. And you need to go and explore that. Now, again, you're saying, how do you get out into nature when you're stressed out and busy? And that's kind of a, oh, yeah, well, when do I have time to do this? And I want to kind of bring that back and say, well, do you really have time not to get out into nature? Because we as human beings need nature. It is essential for our optimal health and well-being. So if you're stressed out, if you're tired, if you've not got enough time, your first priority really needs to be taking care of yourself and actually using 
the benefits of nature to improve your health and well-being and using that as a starting point. What I mean by that is there is this reciprocal relationship that exists between us and nature. It's not just that we're breathing in the air and it's providing us with air, but when we're actually out in natural environments, it's helping reduce our stress levels. It's helping us switch off that worry pattern that can go on in the head where we're constantly stressing out and going, oh my goodness, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. How do I deal with it? So there's actually mechanisms inherent within us spending time in the natural world that stop us from feeling so stressed. So if you're stressed, the simplest answer is you do need to get out into nature. There's a beautiful study because I geek out on the research as well. It's not just about connecting people to nature. I have a strong research background in this as well because I want to to understand how this works in the most effective way. So there was a study done about 2015 by a guy called Gregory Bateman at Stanford University. And what he actually found is that after 90 minutes of walking in a natural setting, the part of your brain that is responsible for the worry, the repeated thoughts, the stress, the anxiety actually switches off. If you haven't experienced what it's like not to be in a state of overstressed, overthinking, well, the easiest thing to do is go out and spend 90 minutes walking in a natural setting. Even if you're saying, I don't have enough time. Well, as a, my wife or a mother, surely you need to spend quality time with your partner and your children. Why not take it outside instead of keeping it indoors, especially knowing that you're going to end up having this part of your brain switching off, but you can then build up better relationships. And I mean, again, the, the evidence shows that we can actually improve our social connections and our social relationships simply by spending time in nature. And this is a bit that really, really fascinates me because we have been taught almost to not understand and value the true essence of nature. You know, we've, we've had stories and beliefs within our world about what nature is and we're having to come back and go, well, really, what is it about nature? Because they have the excitement, the innocence, the curiosity, where they will go and spend hours staring at a tree or looking at a flower or wanting to go and explore an encounter. And so often when we're in that stressed out, busy, worried place, we don't see the joy and the creativity that is inherent within our children. Kids know how to handle nature. They know what feels good. They know how to move their bodies. You can take kids and quite happily, I mean, I've had my two nieces and they have been such wonderful, wonderful teachers. Have you ever thought about going out for a walk in the rain and getting absolutely soaking, pouring wet? Not something as adults that we think could be particularly enjoyable. Try doing it with a two-year-old kid and seeing how much fun they have and how much fun you have when you get over the fact that, oh, it's a bit wet, it's a bit cold, it's a bit damp but the joy and the laughter that comes up from that so it kind of gets to that whole thing of what we're talking about here why wouldn't you want to get out into nature it's going to stop you worrying you're going to get better time to spend with people and when you go and even find the green spaces within the cities you can do it in a way that's safe because I mean I know that a lot of people have concerns about well how do I find that safe spot connecting with nature and spending time in nature is not about going out into the wilderness, doing wilderness survival training, going for three-hour treks, especially if that's not your idea of fun. You have to start at what's most comfortable for you. And if it's going and sitting in a city park for two hours, start there. Awesome. I'm curious about what sparked your interest in what you do, Tabby. Like, what's your story? For me, nature has always been something that I have loved, and I would call it my solace and my sanctuary. And I grew up in the countryside in very rural 
villages of less than a thousand people. So nature was always there, but it it was a place that I grew up in a house that was filled with domestic violence. It wasn't a particularly pleasant place for me. Nature was a place I could go and I could be free and I could interact with that didn't judge me, that I was able to just express myself and express my joy of being. So in a way, it gave me a support system, which I didn't really appreciate at the time when I was a child. I really kind of took it for granted. And as I grew up and discovered drugs and alcohol as a way of dealing with a lot of the pain from the past, I kind of forgot about this connection. And then when I was 22, my 17-year-old brother died suddenly in a car crash. And that, I used to say, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. There's been more challenging events since, since then in the last 16 years. So I would reevaluate. At the time, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I didn't know what to do. So I went to nature. And I started feeling better. And I really realised that there was something happening when I was spending time in the natural world that was doing wonders for me and helping me deal with the way that the thoughts were going in my head, help me process grief, help me rediscover my sense of who I was. And that kind of sparked my interest. And I thought, well, I was studying psychology at the time. And there's so many people telling you, find your purpose, find your passion. What is it that you want to do for the rest of your life? And I can remember sitting thinking, going, well, I like nature and I like psychology. Surely there has to be a way to kind of combine the two. How does this work? And I thought, well, if you were doing psychology related to nature, what would you call it? Maybe eco-psychology? And I googled it and I found it. And that was kind of the start of my path of going, there's something here. And for me, we have this innate connection to nature that we've forgotten about. It's culturally learned. So we're not really in cultures that truly understand this connection. We also are in a culture where we can be kind of quite critical about, oh, it's tree-hugging, hippie, woo-woo stuff. So we've got all these negative stories about what it means to be spending time in nature. And I wanted to not only understand how to get people to connect to nature more, but how can we use that to really help achieve optimal levels of health and well-being. So, I mean, it's been 16 years since my brother died. So I've been slowly working my way to this, but I really committed to studying the human nature relationship probably just as I was about 29, 30. So that's the last eight, nine years. I've done two masters related to, to studying it to figure out how do we connect to nature? What, what is it? How does it work? How does it really, really benefit us? And what can we do to get more people doing it? Because when we're talking about nature, we can also extend that definition to go, well, we're part of nature. We've got our own inherent nature within us. So when we connect and feel part of the natural world, which is what I was finding throughout my journey, I felt whole. And it was only when I was coming out of the natural world and getting caught up in the stories and the thoughts and the beliefs that I had that were separating me from the true essence of who I was, that's when the problem happened. I mean, I'm kind of selfish in a way, Marina. You know, I did this primarily for myself first because I wanted to know what it was that was making me feel so good and helping me overcome all of the challenges within my life. And then I realised that I wanted to share it with other people because there's something really, really powerful that happens when we spend time in the natural world, when we're connected to it, when we feel that we're part of it. Thank you for that. And what sort of transformations have you seen with people that have actually connected to nature? 
I know for me personally that, you know, I live in Spain. I can see the mountains from here, actually. And all I can see is woodland. And we've got a little plot now so that we can garden a little bit. And for me, I've found that there's been a real slowing down. But also, if I'm able to just blankly into nature, that's usually when I get my best ideas, as well as when I'm up in the mountains, actually. That's a really interesting point, which is I love skiing and I love the mountains and I feel alive when I'm here at home, but but to the point where I'm out and it's fresh air and it's vibrant. You make a, a number of really good points there because it's like you get your best ideas. When you're not worrying about what's going on in your daily life and your mind quietens down, that's when you can access your insight and your intuition on a far, far deeper level. So you do get your best ideas out in nature. And it's the experience as well, because it, it helps you become present. I mean, you're talking about being on that mountain. It's not just the fact that there's changes happening in your brain, so you're thinking differently. You've got the wind blowing, the sun. You've got all of these multiple experiences and sensory sensory information that's coming in that you're able to process that keeps you grounded in the present moment. So there is a spiritual aspect to nature but in a very, very practical, grounded sense, because we're here as physical human beings and nature helps orientate us as being. We're here, we're in the body, have all these experiences, feel it all and allow the wisdom to kind of come through. And that's exactly what you're describing of being out on the mountain. And what you've said at the beginning there is slowing down. Well, you have to slow down. Nature doesn't hurry. There's a great quote by um, Lao Tzu that says, nature accomplishes everything, but it does not hurry. And that's probably badly paraphrased. And it's like, yeah, have you ever just watched how everything happens in perfect harmony at the right time in the natural world? And the only part of nature that is constantly striving and pushing itself to try and move out of the natural rhythm of life is us humans. And it's like, we've got to achieve this. We've got to do this. We've got to get here. It's like, no, 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 slow down. Because the paradox is that when you slow down and you're getting your creativity boosted, you're reducing your stress levels in the natural world, you're getting insight and inspiration, you're actually more productive. And it gets back to the point that you made right at the beginning. Of course, you've got time to slow down and spend time in the natural world because you're going to get more done and you're going to be happier and healthier and have more insights at the same time to be able to live a life fully connected to who you are. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I remember being in Wales one all those years ago and watching the stream and looking at the flowers and seeing them grow and watching the stream just do its thing. And I just had this moment where I could see that the stream was doing its job, the flower was doing its job, but it didn't cry out to be doing anything else. It was just doing what it does no comparison, being guided by the intelligence of life. And I had an insight, and the insight was, if being is enough, we must be enough. What I got to see is if we get the chance to observe nature and how it works, that's where I really am able to reflect on how we all come from that same energy, the very same energy that created the tree, the plant, the mountain, that was all created by the same energy that created us. So how can we not be at one with nature? Yeah, 
And I think that's a really, really beautiful insight to have because it is so true. We all we all come from the same place. The, the energy of life, it's the same life that flows through us. And how come, and I love the way that you put it there, how come every single part of nature can be enough, yet we're constantly convincing ourselves that we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, we need to achieve more. And we've really got ourselves into this pattern of thinking that is totally contradictory to the way that nature works. And what you've identified there is you just need to go and sit and slow down and really look at the interconnected relationship between nature and get the answers. And it goes back to another quote by Albert Einstein, which I love. And he says, look deep into nature and then you'll understand everything better. And I simply think, well, if you look deep into nature and you could figure out, you know, the theory of quantum relativity and whatever else, that's kind of good enough for me. (laughs) The funny thing is I once was at a gathering going back to probably about 2011 and somebody there had actually met Albert Einstein and what she had said was she was friends with this child and Albert Einstein was actually a family friend and he was known she didn't really know him as this is the famous physicist and all the rest of it you know all the labels that so often we get caught up in is important he was just this kind old man that came over and played the, with a the violin but kept on getting or turning up late because he was getting lost smelling the roses in the garden and it's like that's cool that's the side of Albert Einstein that I'm so grateful that I got a little glimpse of because when we're talking about his achievements, we're really focusing on what he's contributed to society, contributed to the world, the difference that he's made. And it's like, but wait a minute, here was a man that liked playing the violin and spending time hanging out in a garden and entertaining young kids because I think she was telling me she was only about four, five, six, seven at the time. But that experience made such an impact on her that she could still hold on to it. And this woman was in advancing ages. I don't know what, what, how old she was, but for that memory to have stayed with her, that was the impact. And that's what I love that for her, Albert Einstein was a guy that played violin and smelt roses. That's so beautiful. And what occurs to me is that he gave time and saw the power of relaxation and slowing down because we get our insights. It's not linear. They're quantum leaps into whatever area we're, we're wanting to get more information from. What occurred to me when I was listening to you, and it was just like a, such a throwaway comment, my son's teacher has got them planting little things of kale and radishes and stuff like that. And I was sharing with her that we've created like a a little make your own allotment with some, I don't know what they call it. I guess it's like gutter, plastic gutter from the tubing of a roof. And my partner put them on wooden stilts so that we put earth in there and now we've got things growing in it. And she said to me, well, you should put some bergamot and I can't remember the marigolds, I think she said because they keep away the flies that like the other bits that you've got growing there. And I loved that because what I heard in what she said was that there's such a deep intelligence in nature that just like with the body, right? Like you can heal the body with the stuff that grows in nature. Nature has an intelligence that you don't need pesticides or things like that. You just need to know which flowers repel the very things that are going to play with 
<laughs> your plants or whatever you're growing. So I just really got a hit of, wow, nature's intelligence. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's kind of like a throwaway comment because, I mean, isn't it fascinating that the more that we learn about nature, the more that we realise that there is actually this harmony and that there's a purpose in every part of nature, whether it's this plant grows next to this plant because it supports it. And as we study and learn about the natural world, we're really seeing a difference. One of the things, I love trees and I love forests. And it's the more that I study and learn about how trees work and it's their social beings, they're actually communicating through their roots. They will transmit energy and resources from one tree to another. They will share they do not compete for light. In actual fact, they will adapt their foliage in a forest to ensure that everybody gets enough light to grow. Wow. That's powerful insights. And how is that different from the way? And it's not saying because there is competition within nature. And competition is good. Competition is healthy. And there's collaboration. And it's not having either or. It's having both and. And how do we utilise what nature has to offer, recognising that even within our own health system, I think it's something like, and I'm not an expert, so I do not have to figure accurate, but it's something like a quarter of all our medicines that the pharmaceuticals are actually creating come from the Amazon jungle. And it's that whole, again, that label of separation, oh, it's a chemical, so it can't be any good. No, 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 it's just another part of nature that we're understanding how to distill into a more powerful way to make it work. Are all medications good? No, I'm not going to say that. And how do we recognise in what ways nature is actually helping and serving us so that we can create that balance so that we're not having to go and do things that are in effect functioning against our health and well-being, which is getting back to where we started. Stress doesn't really help us doesn't help us achieve happy better more fulfilling lives so why do we want to go and do things that are going to stress us out and make us feel awful why can't we learn to live in harmony with who we are and the way that we work so that we can then learn the insights from nature to have happier more productive more fulfilling lives where we really are able to see that this is a beautiful world and there's beautiful abundance and opportunities if we learn to live and think like nature and understand how it works so that we can set up systems that don't require pesticides, as you're saying, because we can have the marigolds there distracting the flies and keeping them away. And it's like, well, I think I'd rather have the marigolds because they look nice as well. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of jumped out at me when you were talking about that is I got curious about wanting to know more about what other insights have you had about nature? Like the one with the trees is so cool. What else? What else? What else? What else? That's a good starting point. It's like, well, where do we go? I suppose where I was contemplating, because I'm about to go and do a training after we finish speaking, and I train people to be nature-connected coaches. So we're on the topic of nature-inspired, how do you be inspired from nature? And one of them is about animal answers. So how do you learn from animals? And... I was reflecting on the fact that I am absolutely fascinated by wolves, not by studying wolves in captivity, because what we've recognised is that when we actually study wolves in captivity, they tend to be fighting each other, there's more aggression, there's more dominance traits, whereas if you go into wolves in the wild and actually study and look at them, they're incredibly loyal to each other, they function as a pack, they defend the pack 
to the point that they will fight for you unless you're of no use and then they will be compassionate and kill you and then eat you to sustain the pack, which is an interesting perspective there. They're also a keystone species. So there is, when they got reintroduced into Yellowstone Park, simply by the way that they helped change the ecosystem, the river grew back, more plants grew back. So for me, I really look at wolves as well. What is it about me? How do I want to be a wolf? Because I know that I can be very protective about my family. I can also be very snappy and defensive if I'm feeling trapped and in captivity. So when I do not feel free, I tend to act like a wolf in captivity. However, what are the good qualities within a wolf that I can apply to my life? Well, I want to be loyal. I want to fight for what I believe in. I want to fight for more than just myself. I really like that. And there is a beautiful, because you can pick this up everywhere. I mean, multiple books. There's a book called Driven, which is talking about some of the genetic differences that are in people with ADHD compared to the general population. And they use this analogy, and it was another layer of this wolf learning for me, is that when there's a predator, if you're a gazelle, everybody will flee for themselves. And they were making an analogy that there's a lot of people in the world that will do that. However, when there's a threat, the wolf pack will come together and unite and stand together. And I'm like, well, that's who I want to be. I want to know that when it's a difficult time in my life, that I'm going to stand beside those people that I care about and I'm going to look out for them and I'm going to protect them just as much as myself, knowing that I am stronger as part of a fully functioning team rather than being by myself and being that little gazelle running away desperately going, oh, don't get me. And then going, oh, I have been gone. Okay, so that's another example of the stuff that I've learned from nature and insights that I've had. But the cool thing about gazelles is because I was actually went on safari last year and I was went mm-hmm. into the wilderness for I don't know, five days, I think, is that they multiply. They actually, there's loads of them because mm-hmm. they are the main source of food for the big predators. And yeah, that's why there are so many of them. So... Mm-hmm. It's almost like, yeah, oh, bugger, I got eaten. But don't worry, because there's more of that where that came from. And mm. th- that intelligence that created that, you know, I've got this mm. giraffe here, which I look at every day. <laughs> it's a cool giraffe. And he reminds me that you can just sit and chew. You don't need to gulp down and run. Like they just munch and digest and you can just as you said learn so much from just observing these animals what they do and and how that can be useful for you in your life and the giraffe for me was definitely one to be remembered because they do sit and chew digest really slowly because of this long neck that they have and obviously they're able to see really far and wide because of this long neck so they keep themselves out of danger so it's about having a bit more foresight Yeah, it's just fascinating. What else, what other insights have you had that have really impacted you? I would say probably one of the ones that's been really interesting for me just since I've arrived on the farm, because what we learn from books, direct experience is always best. And when I arrived on the farm, there were two cats who were pregnant at the same time. One of them was the other of the other pregnant cats. So one was an experienced mother, one was a newbie. And what was really interesting, because they gave birth within two days of each other, and the younger mother literally abandoned her kittens. The other cat came out, 
and brought the kittens into her nest. So she's now nursing all the kittens. And this other cat is still hanging around the porch. And I thought, isn't it fascinating? We have such beliefs and stigmas about what it is to be a mother within our world. And if we don't be good mothers and we don't look after our kids, then we should be judged for how we behave. Yet here's this cat that wasn't capable of looking after its kittens. Its mum's come along, taking the kittens in, along with her other kittens. It's looking after them. There's no judgment. They're not fighting and arguing over it or arguing over the kittens. The kittens are nourished. They're cared for. They're well looked after. And for me, that was really profound because, I mean, I'm single. I don't have kids. I'm in my late mid-30s. I'm okay recognising that there's there's only a, a limited period of time for me before I reach a cutoff point. So I'm really contemplating, what does it mean for me to be a mother if I end up being a mother? What kind of mother would I want to be? And one of the things that I had always realised is that I would be the type of mum that would have no issue saying, I need to go and do this for three months. Somebody else needs to look after my kids. And having that awareness in a society where it says, God, as a mother, you should actually sacrifice yourself. You should put yourself first at the expense of your kids, give up everything. That insight for myself is completely contradictory to the stories that we're being told about what a good mother is. And yet I watched this cat, you know, she doesn't care. She's not checking in on her kittens. She's not bothered. The other mother's really taking care, looking after them. They're all healthy. They're all thriving. They're all cute. They're all adorable. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's no judgment here in these cats. This is just part of how this community of cats on this farm works together. There were kids needing looked after and the other cat was going to go and look after them. And there was no judgment on the other mother for giving up her kids for whatever reason it was, because I don't know what happened there. You know, was she a first time mother, didn't know what she was doing? Who knows? But that sense of freedom, I would say almost freedom there and recognising that there's no judgment. What happened was the best for those kittens in that moment. And that was the most important thing. And that really has kind of sat with me as something that I'm reflecting on as I'm considering my own role of what kind of mother would I want to be? What would I want to do moving forward? What's important to me? Fulfill my needs and fulfill needs of any future children should I have them. That's so beautiful because often when I speak to my clients about their role as mothers, they come to me a lot of time thinking that they've really failed because of all the judgments that they have. It used to happen to me too. Like I would beat myself up about not being the type of mother I thought I was going to be, which is, you know, super peaceful, tranquil. No, none of that. There is a lot of that, but there's there's also a lot of moments with my son that are very heated, you know, especially if I'm tired or I lose my patience. This is definitely a path for me where I'm having to learn a lot more patience and give more space to those feelings that are coming in and not necessarily react to them all the time. And it's a constant learning and a constant journey. One of those moments was I was in London doing another training and I was going through a moment where I was feeling very guilty about leaving Leo and thinking that I should be back home. And his nanny sent me a picture of her boyfriend at the time on a beach And suddenly kind of my insecure thinking just hit in and it was like, I should be there. That should be me. (laughs) And I was listening to Sydney Banks audio, someone who has really changed the lives of many, many people. And he was talking about how 
we have all these rules about what parenting should look like. But the only thing that's really important is bringing the feeling of who you really are back home. Mm. So you didn't mention how much time you spend with your kids. You didn't mention looking after your needs first. But I guess it that is look, putting your needs first, really. He didn't mention, I have to spend all this time with my children. This is what good parenting looks like. No. What he said was, when you're in a good feeling, when you're calm and quiet, that's what's important. Hmm. And that was a real moment for me. So I guess I'm sharing that because, of course, this is what we're talking about on this podcast, is that nature helps, supports us in that role as an opportunity to quieten down and to come back to who we truly are, our true nature. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> exactly. Our, tr- our, our true nature. And you said there, what is the definition of nature? Well, we're part of nature, our true nature. We've got everything inherent contained within us. We do just need to slow down and be and allow it to be expressed in its most beautiful form. And who is it to judge for any of us what's right? Some mothers, and I, I kind of realized this very early in my 20s, some women are natural mothers and they want to be around their kids and they want to stay at home and they want to do this. I realized in my early 20s, I thought, no, that would be my idea of a nightmare. Nope, I couldn't do that. There's this part of me that needs this freedom and adventure. And that's always been a conflict for me because how being very, very conscious of the stories that we're fed as children, as teenagers, as young women, what is the expectations? And for a long time, I had to be either or. And I thought, well, I'm going to be miserable if I'm trapped in this way, in a relationship, not working, not doing it, not fulfilling myself. Oh, you mean there's another way that makes me feel good that could be done from that wonderful place of being connected with my inner nature? That sounds a lot more fun than trying to be something that I'm not and trying to live up to some standards or rules that somebody else has created that actually just make me exhausted trying to reach that level. And it's kind of funny because in some ways we women have wanted equality and we've actually given ourselves a harder job because it's now we're expected to do everything and be super women at the same time. And, you know, I look at the toilet, you know, there's a, a meme going around where it's the female sign on a toilet and it's like, it was, it was never a skirt, it was a cape. I don't even want to be superwoman. I don't want to have to exhaust myself trying to be capable of doing everything. I just want to be me and come from that place of being me and being able to express it. And I know that the more time that I spend in nature, the more I'm able to come back to the truth of who I am and take action from that place that allows me to live in alignment. Yeah, I really hear that. And what I also hear is that there are no rules other than the ones that we put on what that's supposed to look like and how it should look. Yeah, like all that overthinking and insecurity. And, you know, something that came to mind when you were talking was going back to observing nature and how our mind works. And, you know, we're talking about getting calm and nature being our teacher. You know, one of the analogies that I use with my ladies, my women, my girls, my clients is our mind is very much like the weather system. Mm-hmm. You know, there are days where it's calm and the sun's out and everything looks pretty hunky-dory. And there are days where the wind picks up and there are moments of gusts and sometimes you might get a shitload of rain and it's bit belting down and there's a big thunderstorm that comes in and then the sun comes out. And our true nature is always hiding behind the clouds in those moments. doesn't mean it's gone away or that it doesn't exist. It just 
behind the clouds, right? And then when the storm has calmed down and the sun comes out, everything is much fresher, crisper, brighter, cleaner. That just that, seeing how we function on the inside and how that is reflected on the outside and how nature is already showing us how we experience life. To me, that was such a huge eye-opener because, yeah, like to know that our true nature is hiding behind the clouds on those days that we think that we're just rubbish, it passes. Like our thoughts pass, right? Then the storm doesn't stay there every day, every day, every day. And sometimes it's prolonged, but other most of the time it passes and the sun comes out. Yeah, and I think that is so true because that's a really, really interesting point. Because what I love about storms is I'm not afraid of storms. I love they are making everything fresh and clearing it up and bringing in new energy. Just like the kids that we got in the background. Exactly, like I was just saying, like the new energy is coming in as the the change of space here. And I've never been afraid of storms because I know that it's bringing something new to me, creating a new insight that's allowing me to be feel fresher and more insight afterwards. Um, <laughs> yes, it was it was wonderful to sit here when there was no kids, but this has now changed. But again, let's go with the flow. The kids are reminding us not to take ourselves so seriously. Our adventure and you know just that moment and I think it's a wonderful teaching as I go I'm doing an interview and then we've got all this sound and it's like yeah but do I have a choice how to respond to that do I want to get frustrated and irritated and go oh my goodness I can already thoughts <laughs> going oh man this is so unprofessional it's just like no it's part of life and how do we adapt to the changes that the storm is bringing yeah right on cue right <laughs> totally right on cue so my love one question I like to ask, ask most of my guests is, what are you giving your self permission to do more of? Like, what are you finding more of that you're really enjoying? Giving my permission, it's kind of funny. I'm just giving myself permission to just be. And to, I've had a really intense couple of years having gone back and done my second master's. There's been a lot of family changes going on. And having the time and space, and this is part of what I'm getting by being out in Washington State, surrounded in a valley with um, with kids in McDonald's and kids in McDonald's is uh, the space to just reconnect to myself and just be and come back into a deeper alignment with my own nature, recognizing that if this is the work that I do, I want to be an example. So how do I go even deeper into who I am and connect it to nature and have more fun and enjoy myself? And I think I'll take that lesson from the kids. The last couple of years have been quite stressful and challenging for me with doing the masters, with having my business, with dealing with family stuff as well. How do I just have more fun and appreciate the joy of what it is to be alive and recognize the beauty in every moment? Amazing. And, <laughs> and Tabby, if people want to get in contact with you, any of the listeners that want to learn how to be more in nature and get the benefits from it, how can they do that? The best way to do that is to get in touch with me on my website, which is www.earthself.org. And you will find that we've got a, a range of services there specifically designed to how to bring nature connection into your daily life so you can work smarter, make a better impact, but really improve your levels of well-being and performance. So it's how do you apply nature connection? Because it's one thing to go out into nature, but how do you make it such a daily part of your life that you're able to integrate it and continually learn from it? And uh, 
<laughs> enjoy it. Well, you've shown a really great example of that by not freaking out about so much going on. That all the kids have just come into your to your space. So. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And I hope that for everybody listening, that they now see the benefits of being in nature and what it can really do for you. So yeah, until the next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. <laughs>